As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Understanding the Group C tiebreaker chaos, why Tiddlywinks is still the hypothetically over-competitive go-to scenario, why can't you have a big magician, the shock hybrid-friendly result of the week, a brief history of World Cup accreditation lanyard sizes, the pure Qatar 2022 World Cup 11, when does a player have only one thing on his mind, and watch out football commentators because an AI Alan Smith is coming to take your jobs. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 213 of Football Clichés, the best football podcast since sliced veg. Have Alongside me for the adjudication panel is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. Good, good, good. And also on the adjudication panel today is David Walker. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very good. Charlie, you didn't ask Adam how he was, which I you know, normally do. I know. I know. I keep it a spreadsheet about this, you know. Yeah, it's genuinely made me quite self-conscious. Um, so I thought I'd mix it up a bit, see if people are paying attention. Well, I can confirm that I am not too bad. Thank you. Although rather perturbed by some low-key scenes in my five-a-side WhatsApp group Ooh. this week. Uh, I've kind of semi-retired from from it anyway. But um, uh, usual call went out for who's available this week. Some people saying, oh, I can't do 845 this week or uh, no, I'm away with the kids or whatever. <laughs> Someone simply replied, this is Matty P, simply replied with, I'm out with a knee issue. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say knee issue at that level of football. No, a knee problem. Yeah. <laughs> Pro- would problem be worse? I don't know, because I feel like that's something you would say in like everyday chat, but you wouldn't say, oh, I can't come into work today, I've got a knee issue. <laughs> back issue it's like he's trying to get out of an england squad for a friendly <laughs> just got a niggle i've got i've got to manage this niggle very carefully 
Issue. That sounds bad. I mean, issues are issues. Charlie are where, where do they stand in the hierarchy of injuries? Issues are potentially things that could run and run injury wise. Mm. They're not just a they're not a self contained thing, are they? An issue. Yeah. It's got to be managed. Yeah, knee issues. You you don't really know when they're going to be back. Often that they are quite, they can be quite troublesome and worrying. Yeah. Um, so I feel yeah. for Matty P. Yeah, they could turn into it could turn into a problematic. Mm. Me. Mm. Problem- problematic obviously has different connotations these days but I think it still persists in an injury sense a problematic knee troublesome knee oh, it's troublesome. troublesome now is it yeah. I think okay. yeah I think you do that more yeah you can't use problematic I've got problematic knee I don't know what to do with it well, docu- um, well documented knee knee problems yeah very much so be any time for the adjudication panel um, kicking off this is from Andrew Howeely who's enjoying career versus Ghana the other day and Dion Dublin and Jonathan Pierce evolving their chat very gradually about chips We've got this high-tech offside system here. That's been used before. Champions League had it. Where there's a chip in the ball, and then all these cameras around the stadium, and they react with the chip to spot up whether a player was in not opposition. The exact second the ball was played, well, surely the decision should have been made earlier. Then we've had a chip in the ball when I was playing. The ball would be even heavier. You go on that. Do you try too many chips of the ball? <laughs> Too many chips on the plate when I was playing. <laughs> uh, something's never changing. <laughs> <laughs> Text almost almost vintage co-commentary uh, stuff from from Dion Dublin there, Charlie. It almost felt like a throwback, given how deep we've delved into this art. Yes. Did did we mention that as one of the sort of key areas, sort of food? I mean, it is. It, it really is. The ability to cook. I think they would. I think later in their game they were talking about how Dio Dublin just like, he can't cook or something like that. Right. They said, yeah, yeah. I've seen but that was. Cooking or something. But that wasn't the that was more just the diet, wasn't it? That was more mm. like what we used to eat in that our was, day. Yeah, in my day, steak yeah, and chips before exactly. the match on the coach on the way up. Uh, yeah, lovely stuff. How heavy does he think these microchips are? By the way, not going to make the ball that heavier, are they? I think they're eighteen grams. I read, well, yeah, which okay. seems to me like quite a lot. I thought balls were like one hundred and eighty or something. So that's like ten percent of the ball. How heavy is a ball? Oh, it's actually about 400 grams. Okay, it's fine. The proportion, that's all right. Still would make something a difference, but it has been tested and uh, will have no effect on the flight of balls at the World Cup. Elsewhere is this kind of World Cup week unraveled, Dave. I was watching um, Australia versus Denmark and Denmark sort of giving it 7 out of 10 kitchen sink effort at the end to try and claw themselves back into it. And uh, great to see Kasper Schmeichel coming up for a couple of corners, really bringing the Barclays to Qatar. I mean, that is that is Kasper Schmeichel just doing Kasper Schmeichel things. If he's not running either up for a corner or desperately back again, then what is he doing? Uh, yeah, completely. And I mean, and that was that was basically the extent. I think you've been very generous with your 7 out of 10 kitchen sink rating there. Mm. They were pathetic rubbish. But yeah, and of course he got nowhere near any of the balls that came into the box. I actually think Kasper Schmeichel doing Kasper Schmeichel things would be more him complaining about the concession of a goal. Oh, I yeah, don't think there's, this, don't you? I, I don't think there's ever been a more a better pound for pound keeper at complaining about goals. There's pre- pretty much every goal he concedes there'll be something that's irritated him. And if a penalty, God forbid, if a penalty scored against him, there, there will be some sort of minor infringement. Elsewhere at the World Cup in Group C, C for chaos, um, we almost got into a hilarious situation of Poland and Mexico needing to uh, be separated by yellow cards. The residual emotion from this, Charlie, was that um, Poland are scumbags and that they're now the most unpopular team left in the World Cup and we're all going to be sort of cheering against them. Is it that big a deal? I mean... Th- 
just not even gaming the system. They just knew what they needed to do. No, I, I know. I was confused about that. I tweeted this yesterday because you know we were talking about they've made a lot of friends at this tournament. And I was saying mm. Poland seemed to be the exact opposite. They seem to have alienated a lot of people and lost any mates they might have once had. It's pantomime I, shit. I was thinking of like precedents for that at World Cups and teams that have sort of and other ways you can do that. I guess maybe that Uruguay team with the Suarez handball, they would have lost a few friends by doing that. I don't. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was more an irritation at just how bad they'd been and that they were going through despite it somehow. There's something quite unsatisfying about a team losing 2-0, offering absolutely nothing. I think they, as well, because if Argentina had wanted to win 4 or 5, they probably could have done. They were basically the beneficiaries of the Mm. fact that Argentina not only missed chances, but also were just like stroking it around because they had no interest. But yeah, it was funny for for lots of different reasons. It really wound people up. In one of those situations where I was in a pub and I I overheard some people behind me. So in the pub that we were in, there was really bad signal. No one could get on the on the internet or anything. How awful! So I heard uh, there was a group of lads behind me watching the game, and they were speculating about who's who's going who's going through. And oh, oh, I think it's and I sort of leaned over and went actually. You got to do it. (laughs) I had to. I said actually, you never you never guess what if. If uh, Argentina score one more goal, then Poland and Mexico are going to be separated by yellow cards. And they, they just absolutely blew their minds. <laughs> they could not believe it. And then when that po- Polish player got booked, everyone was like, oh, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. But there was, there was still a few more to go. There was a great moment on the BBC where um, the commentator, after the goal, the table flashed up, yeah. the group table flashed up, and the commentator was talking through the points and, and how everyone's level. And then there was a very, very clear 30 to 45 second silence <laughs> where he was obviously being told in his ear, now remember, no, it's it's yellow, it's it's gold difference, it's goals four, mm. it's head to head, it's yellow cards now, it's yellow and then it's lots. And then he came back in at the end, which probably should have found the clip actually. But it was, it was very obvious what was going on. I think he was caught out because he kept saying things like, well, I think by the speed with which it unravelled, because he was saying things like, well, you know... For, for, for Mexico to actually go ahead, there needs to be a four-goal swing, as if that was, like, impossible. Then all of a sudden, it was 2-0 and 2-0. It was like, wait a minute, there's been that four-goal swing. Yeah. But, but then they were still ahead. It was like, oh, but... And I did wonder if there'd actually been a yellow card in the intervening few minutes that tipped it, but I don't think that had happened. I think that would be being generous. To Commentators shouldn't have out. to be doing permutations themselves. Um, not even joking about having to use a calculator to An do abacus. it. The, uh, the, the yellow card thing, though, it's like... it. At, literally happened in the World Cup four years ago. It did. It did happen. Senegal got knocked out, right? And Japan went through on yellow cards in 2018. So it's happened before. I was just really disappointed that we didn't get level on yellow cards or disciplinary points. I really would love to see a a drawing of lots. Happened once before in World Cup history. Italian 90, wasn't it? Yeah, I found, someone posted the footage on Twitter. I didn't know it was actually, I didn't know they'd done it in public. But yeah, Blatter, so all, all over it like a slime ball that he is. Doing it like a proper <laughs> sort of um, World Cup draw. It was sensational stuff. Um, but it the, the debate inevitably raged, Dave, about using yellow and red cards as a as a tiebreaker in this situation. Someone, someone else suggested, because obviously maybe the thing that they didn't envisage with this sort of thing is that it would affect the gameplay towards the end of the final group game. Teams would behave differently if they knew they had to not get Mm. yellow cards. And maybe it didn't manifest itself hugely during the Poland game, but people were talking about other ways that you, more football-y ways that you could separate teams and someone else said, well, about shots on target. Think how fast cool that would become. Like, Opta would have to get involved, wouldn't they? So, well, if you shot from the halfway line and the keeper saved it and you just Mm. keep doing that, is that shot on target? You should do it like top trumps. So there are like five categories you can pick. Someone just has to pick one score at random and compare. (laughs) I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with 
possession. Oh, possession, I see. What, average possession, average possession, forty nine percent. And then see cool. what they see what they've got. Can you imagine? So got, can you imagine if to blow the minds of, or, or just to sort of stoke the fires? They did it on XG. How absolutely incredible that would be! Just to to blow the minds of the people who already hate it. You'd you'd lose a whole demographic of World Cup viewership there wouldn't that you? would actually probably tip people more over the edge than yeah. a lot of the stuff that's happened in qatar yeah maybe stick to yellow and red cards that's all right of course you know we talk about the following thing a huge amount and um we've maybe spiraled into its many variants too much but i want to i want a classic classic textbook vintage example of what a player he was by the way here's bbc radio five lives alistair bruce ball and chris sutton spotting the legend of legends in the crowd. Alexandro wins a throw in for Brazil inside his own half, wide on the left. Brazil nil, Switzerland nil. The great Ronaldo in yeah. the house. What a player he was. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> I hoped it was going to be Ronaldo. Yeah, it's been a while actually, Charlie, since we've yeah. had a delivery like that. No, by the way, Sutton didn't quite indulge us completely, but, but it's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Ronaldo's so in that sweet spot because even I feel this a little bit that like the youth of today don't fully appreciate yeah. just how good he was. And yeah. I think that is a that is a key element to that. He, he does occupy this weird kind of position in, in world football history, David, that he was clearly indisputably unbelievably amazing and yet as Charlie says there is this kind of impetus to kind of have to just remind people that fucking hell he was good wasn't he maybe it's because his career was basically sort of curtailed or at least interrupted I don't know maybe it didn't hit the heights it should have done but there is this kind of weird impetus to have to tell people how good he was yes and I, I think it's there's a few factors at play one is the sort of physical side of things the whole mm. fat Ronaldo thing has kind of dogged him and people maybe that unfairly that image is in people's minds that mm. that he was this sort of you know unathletic sort of almost sort of a kind of A-list journeyman towards the end of his career really but then I think people what people forget and need to be reminded is that those seasons that he had pre-injury pre-1998 he was PSV, he was the sort of season. proto Ronaldo and Messi, Messi mm. in terms of their the goals to game ratio it was un- it was so good, but he only did it for one or two seasons. Yeah, he was basically goal a game. Yeah, I do also think even just the name Ronaldo, the fact that he- even his name is now has been taken. Yeah, it's it, quite like, annoying. It, it's annoying, and it, it's a really basic thing. But you're right, Dave. I mean, to a lot of people, I think for those who didn't see those early years, they they kind of saw the Elvis in Las Vegas sort of washed up <laughs> yeah. period, rather than the sort of him at his pomp. And he was. He, you're right. He did pave the way. He also he was before the era when. He he didn't like smash it in the Champions League in the way that you know Ronaldo and Messi have just sort of yeah yeah I don't think of him as a Champions League footballer no, at all exactly they've yeah. just laid waste to all those records and yeah yeah but nevertheless he remained he probably remains the probably by quite a distance the most water player he was by the way option for a close up in the crowd at a World Cup I can't think of anyone who would rival him. Like, even if even if Zidane popped up I don't think they would no. necessarily sort of do that because it's so obvious because it's like yeah I don't know. Yeah, of, um, mod, of modern greats, I think that's right. Unless you weren't someone like Cafu because you wanted to make the point yeah. that would the youth of today you know, appreciate just how good this right-back was. Javier Zanetti. 
Yeah, like that. yeah, good shout. Yeah, you'd go for his longevity, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, still looking young, have you? <laughs> anyway, uh, ahead of the England-Wales game, listener Andy Gray got in touch. Not the <laughs> Andy Gray. I've done this before, I'm sure. Um, it said, on Battle of Britain Day, I just heard Ali McCoist say Scotland and England teams would battle as hard to beat each other in a game of tiddlywinks as they would as a game of football. Charlie, how did <laughs> and when did tiddlywinks become a kind of proxy, hypothetical war ground for yeah. this sort of thing? <laughs> Well, I remember in my childhood it was it was a thing. So certainly it, it's been around for you know thirty years or something. I, I remember there, it being used. They're probably my word for the ultimate battle of wits. There probably are people listening who don't know what tiddlywinks. <laughs> what a game! That is what it actually is. So you kind of forgotten. So you, I have to you, say you've got little plastic counters like spher- like like thin coins, and you get. If you've got a bigger one and you press down on the smaller one to flip it up into a little sort of pot. That's what I had in my head. That's hard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No wonder they'd be competitive about it. <laughs> I don't remember it being... I remember it being a lot simpler game than that, but that sounds really difficult. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe it is the ultimate thing, but um, I just can't see it as a kind of region-spanning... Perhaps Barry Hearn could um, revolutionise and bring it back. <laughs> well, I do. I do. The first time I ever heard it was in relation to the '96 Atlanta Olympics, and I think that a sport was introduced to it that was seen as being trivial or whatever. And someone, I can't remember who it was, said something like, "Oh, next I'll be introducing tiddlywinks to the." <laughs> it does work, isn't it? Because it's a silly word, isn't it? And it's frivolous, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. Tiddler, you know, it's a tiddling little. Yeah, nothing. maybe there's nothing that really. There's nothing better than that. Is there really anything else? Probably is an Olympic sport now. So, yeah, Tiddlywinks is the only thing left. Uh, Loved, loved, loved this one from Peter Duck. Peter Duck, who writes in and said, uh, Messy little magician. Do you get big magicians? You don't, even though magicians are usually portrayed as being fairly tall, but surprisingly (laughs) dexterous. Good spells for a big man. This is absolutely true. The co-commentator construction of, oh, no, like the little Spaniard or something like that. They're, They're, they're... their textbook, they are literal... Paul Daniels is a little magician, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, Penn and Teller, whichever the, the big one was, he's a big magician. He yeah. is. Is, is um, Derek I mean, Brown... He's quite small, isn't he, Darren Brown? <laughs> not a magician. How tall is Darren Brown? I'm not having Darren Brown as a magician. What would you describe him as? More of a... Mind control. He's, he's only age... five foot nine, by the way. More towards mm-hmm. the hypnotist yeah. end of the scale. He is yeah. a mentalist... <laughs> Illusionist. <laughs> the little the little illusionist, Darren Brown. Mentalist, illusionist, painter and author, but not a magician. I should, he's only five foot nine, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but, okay, regardless of the actual size of actual magicians, Charlie, this does seem like a bit of a ripple in the language of football. We should be allowed to have big magicians. There's no reason why a big magician shouldn't exist, although I can't think of any... Yeah. I mean, Zidane, well, was Zidane. he even a big Zidane, magician? Yeah. Zidane's literally the, the first <laughs> one that comes to mind. I think because... <laughs> It is, you're talking about sort of twinkle-toed mm. players often with magicians. Mischievous scheming. Yeah, scheming. And I think that does lend itself to little, littler players somehow. I don't think it should be ring fence for little people at all. No, I, I don't think... it's really unfair. Yeah. I think you could... I, I, I bet Zidane at some point would have been called a magician, just without yeah. the big. <laughs> so the little thing is more of a sort of um, mm. modifier. So the default mm. status of a magician is being big. Yeah, you actually have to express that they are little. Maybe that's what it is. Didn't think of that. Didn't, don't think Peter Duckett thought of that either. So uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but I don't think that. <laughs> I mean, the, the, just <laughs> the magician. Also, yeah, it's a magician, isn't it? it rather than yeah. the magician. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, but there are also some nations. So you're right, because your example of the little Spaniard. Yeah. I've, you'd so really hear the big Spaniard, I feel like. I mean, maybe like Urente, but I, I Which co-commentator do you think um, uses that construction the most, by the way? So if, who's, you know, the little Spaniard? Great ball there by the little Spaniard. I can imagine Danny Murphy saying that. Okay, interesting. Might return to this theme later on. Um, Elsewhere, away from the World Cup briefly, uh, my favourite FA charge day for quite a long time. Um, Statement from the FA, Ashley Barnes has been charged with breaching FA rule E3.1 during an interview that took place after Burnley's game against Blackburn on Sunday 13th November. He did, of course, refer to Blackburn as the bastards. They are known amongst the Burnley fan base. First of all, do you think this is enough for an FA charge? That's all he did. Um, not even. In, I'm not saying in your mind. I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, is this enough an FA charge? Yeah, probably. Really? I don't know. Can you be doing? Can we be having post-match interviews? You'd be calling other teams. What? Because it's because it's, it's a swear word. So it's like a a watershed situation. Yeah. If you used a milder term, would that have been all right? What have you said? Twats. Prats. What have you said? Prats. And we beat the prats. Prats. Prats, you're prats down the road. Prats. Prats, yeah, prats yeah, would prats, be all right. Prats, prats, prats is, is fine. fine. Twats what about is not? twats? No. So, and, <laughs> okay. And and bastards could be triggering for some people. Bit people. loaded. Okay. Yeah, they might, might not be a nice thing to hear. I think we're right. We're right at the threshold here. I can't think of a word that might split the difference even more. Uh, dickheads. That dickheads would. No, that's would be right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, yeah. Prats is probably about as close. But I think mm. you're just the the. Well, famously, I said the Burks, which I always <laughs> thought to be a very oh, sort yes. of. But I know actually, your voyage of discovery for this. Yeah, yeah. but I, I was stunned to hear that. But if you, I think you m- depends who was on the. If you were like, oh yeah, so good to beat the Burks. Mm. Could you get away with that? But unusually for an FA charge, Dave, this isn't a very complicated affair. This isn't going to require sort of lip readers. It's not going to require sort of multiple witness statements. He said it. They noted it down and they've charged him. So he's been charged with improper conduct. Um, bringing the game into disrepute by using abusive and or insulting words. He's got until Friday the 2nd of December, that's today basically, to provide a response. This could potentially be the greatest written reasons ever released by the <laughs> FA because it, it's not going to be able to go into any detail. It, may, it might go into the etymology of bastards and that's about it, both in, it, both in a literal sense and in a in you know Lancashire footballing context, so this is this is going to be sensational. I can't wait to read it, and also it's a victimless crime, so it's not it's not yeah. it's fine for us to laugh about it. Charlie, if I say these two following words to you, what do they mean to you? Hybrid friendly, hybrid friendly, a hybrid friendly. What's a hybrid friendly? It is you're going to get this right, which will be annoying. No, I, I mean, I, is, that, is that a friendly game between two international countries played in a, another country? So close, so close. It is, in fact, apparently, according to Google, a friendly between a country and a club. Ah, um, okay. I hate that on FIFA when, when you choose a club team and then someone picks a. You nation. can't do that. That's it's not, a very yeah. FIFA thing. Yeah, uh, this could be the ultimate one. This the ultimate. You'd only ever watch this as a FIFA recreation on YouTube. Uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, this week was sunk two one by Vietnam. Ooh. In Vietnam. Wow. That's so weird because Dortmund, for some reason, with the club that came to mind when you said a club v country, I have no idea why. And I'm sure I haven't seen that. It's a great combination though, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah. Vietnam that- and Dortmund. Love it. I'd watch it. It's just the kits alone. Ma- Red yeah. yellow. I'd watch it. Maybe that'd be the start of a, a big rivalry. Mm. 90th minute penalty as well. What a result for Vietnam. Mm. <laughs> Huge. Do you get FIFA ranking points for that? I guess not. Should do. Should Nothing do. Should do. Yeah. Yeah. Too right. Get a place in the Bundesliga's Fi. <laughs> yeah. I want to return to World Cup matters now, Charlie. Um, I've done some serious research about this. Um, I'm not a I'm not a paper sizes expert, 
by any stretch of the imagination. So bear with me, I may not have got this completely right. But uh, lanyards, they are definitely smaller at this World Cup than they were before. I mean, they were, they were getting comic. They were getting games. massive, yeah. So I've done a little bit of research <laughs> on Getty Images, and uh, here's, what I have, <laughs> here's what I've gleaned. 2010 World Cup, um, they were about A5 size. Mm-hmm. 2014, also A5. 2018, they went to A4 height, but not crucially width. Okay, so they yeah. were sort of massive pamphlets. So 2018 is the absolute peak of accreditation size. Maybe it's something to do with, with post-Soviet bureaucracy. I don't know, but that's where it got big. Now we're back to something the size of a large smartphone. They're not laminated folders anymore with bits of paper inside. They are essentially like cards on mm-hmm. the end of a bit of string, sort of plastic, plastic passes, as they should be. Yeah. You know, like if you're a VIP at an NBA game or something like that, that's that's what they are. Much better way of doing things. Yeah, there's no need for them to be enormous. And that, that's become a creeping issue in football. But it could potentially ruin the iconography of a triumphant manager, Dave, on the touchline during a tense World Cup game, a semi-final that his, his nation have never been in before. And all the pictures of him with a massive fucking lanyard around him. Terrible. Uh, yeah, the fact that managers, players, substitutes, coaching staff are either told or feel the need that they have to wear their lanyards mm. is always... It's absurd. Why? Once you're in... Like, fine, show it on the door, just go through that formality. But you don't need Carlos Quiros or Gareth Southgate, whoever, wearing it on the touchline. It's, the, fourth it's offi- the fourth official going to come up to him and go, um, can I just... I think it's definitely out, outside of the official's remit, isn't it? They're not going to go, I don't give a shit about that, mate, do we like? But there's, it's a very inconsistent take-up of, accredi- of um, accreditation wearing, Charlie, over the course of the last four World Cups. You go into Getty Images, and I, I know you do, you know, it's a 50-50 chance that you'll see a manager wearing it or not. I mean, Maradona 2010, definitely wasn't wearing it. No chance. Why, no. Would he? Why would you? Why would he? But you know what, as well, with this, I, I was thinking, where, where do I have an image in my head of what you're talking about and it's I, I now know where it is in the famous pre- Peter Drury commentary which you would have heard in the intro this nation is going to dance all night yes. the guy who you can see doing this kind of mad <laughs> dance which I'm now mimicking his lanyard is sort of flailing about yeah. all over the place maybe it does add to the aesthetic it's certainly he, stuck in that my was, mind and that, that was the Russian coach yeah Maybe he was setting an example. Oh, he would definitely have to wear it, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the lanyard knocking about, but it does look like he's sort of dancing at a Tory party concert. <laughs> it uh, it does. his hair down afterwards. You also see, you also see um, I think I noticed, it was either one of the Australian or Denmark coaching staff the other night, and they were wearing their lanyards sort of round them diagonally, like, like people oh, yeah. wear bum bags at yeah. festivals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to hide it. <laughs> yeah. Cool, trying to be cool. Tucked um, into their shirt. I feel sorry for the journalists, though. I mean, they probably just want big lanyards to, you know, so people know who they are <laughs> and uh, feed their egos. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Well, luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Welcome back to Football Clichés. And it's now we're well past the halfway point of this World Cup. We've absorbed enough of it and all its various characters. I think it's high time that we did the pure Qatar 2022-11. Now, Charlie and Dave, I'm not too fussed about the format of this. I don't want to get too structured. Uh, let's just throw some names about. Uh, I'll kick you off with a perhaps far too obvious one. The Athletics' Felipe Cardenas uh, was in the mix zone after Mexico-Poland and he asked uh, Guillermo Ochoa if he's going to be back for a sixth World Cup and he simply, re- he simply replied, "See, si. so He's doing <laughs> yes. it. He's doing it for us. He knows. He knows his place as well, doesn't he? So that's great news, isn't it, Charlie? He, yeah, that, a World Cup would not feel right. I did also think a World Cup without Mexico in the last 16, going out in the last 16 will feel weird. We'll all feel a bit bereft. Yeah. There are a few other contenders, I think, for the goalkeeper spot in terms okay. of Szczesny's been Szczesny. too good, but maybe too good for he's he's sort of golden gloves contender right. if he keeps going the way he's going, probably get knocked out. But too maybe much too, domestic baggage for Szczesny yeah, as well. But then there's a couple of the other goalkeepers, the Iranian goalkeeper who broke his nose. Yeah. Oh, right. In that game, um, going to need more than that. The the hapless Qatar keeper who got dropped after the first oh, game. Yeah. Yeah. flailing around and the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper who had a blinder against Argentina but I guess it depends if we're, talk- if we're talking about them in an Ochoa kind of way where you know we expect them to be coming back year after year oh no this is or a purely they're... self-contained thing this is purely about it's essentially which players are you sick of hearing about which players right. do you think you'll be disproportionately hearing about um, in relation to how well or how often they well, played I definitely think I admit it he's been really good but I think Cody Gakpo is a modern day sort of El Hajjuf or whoever absolutely smashing it at a World Cup and I'm very curious to know if A, if he's signed at all, you know, when that happens and B, yep. how good he is because you feel nowadays in, well, maybe they still will be but teams will be going on a lot more than just the fact that he scored against three opposition who probably oh, aren't sure. really even at the level of say a mid-table Premier League team. Oh, I'm, I'm utterly sick of hearing about Cody Gakpo, Dave. Honestly, I know he's good but it's all I'm hearing is Cody Gakpo this and Cody Gakpo that and I'm pretty sure in the last... Uh, game for Holland he he earned a that man mm. as well mm. who else I think it was actually a who else but so we know that he's hit that status at this World Cup so Cody Gakpo's well up front for us isn't he definitely yeah mm. we've gone we've gone from goalkeeper to we've gone from <laughs> oh, back yeah, to front well, I, did say, I don't care about striker. <laughs> I don't think we've even got 11 names that's not important um, but uh, Cody Gakpo's strike partner has to be as Pastor Man writes in Enna Valencia Specifically oh, yeah. the bit where he gets stretched off and then starts the next game. He did this twice. <laughs> <laughs> also, what's funny about him is when, when I saw Ecuador were playing in that first game, I was like, God, I know nothing about them. I was like, 
I wonder if Enna Valencia's still playing. That was all I had to go on. I was like, no, he surely he won't be in. Sure enough, there he was, the key man. Yeah. If Rashford, Gakpo and Mbappe don't score again in the tournament, he'd be level on them with, with three goals. But Mbappe, would, Mbappe would win the award on assists, annoyingly. Oh, right. But um, You can't have any of Valencia winning the World Cup gold yeah. in 2022. I'm sorry. No. Cannot be allowed. In a way, it's good that they're out. In yeah. a way. For that reason. For alone. the integrity of the competition. Yeah. Um, one to keep an eye on. I don't think he gets into our 11 now, but could potentially later on, uh, Charlie. Dan McCarthy writes in and says, Nicholas Fulcrook is the Marissa oh, yeah. closer yeah. of Qatar. I imagine we will see or hear almost literally nothing of him until the next Euros. Bonus points for his whimsical Wikipedia bio too. Um, a real non-footballery looking footballer as well. He looks like he has absolutely no place at a World Cup, but here he is. Yeah. That's a really that's a really good shout, and he's that that rare thing of someone who even nowadays we we most people won't really know much about him. Going, you know, to be a striker for a team as big as Germany, that's quite unusual. I like the like the sound of him, um, Dave. A couple of shouts for Australian defensive beanpole Harry Souter. Mm especially mm-hmm. now he's going to be coming up against Lionel Messi. There's going to be very, some very good photos from that game, isn't there? Like somebody, some cameraman is going to get the angle right where Suter looks like a million foot tall. Messi <laughs> looks really tiny. Like a big and small magician standing yes. next to each other. <laughs> very good. Um, but yeah, I think he's well on the way to cult status at this World Cup, Harry Suter. I mean, the, f- the fact that he plays for Stoke as well, mm. I think really does embody the sort of the real qualities of, of Australia. They've got they've I mean the goal actually was was a brilliant goal they scored against Denmark, but they are they are a team of of eleven just hard working lads, aren't they? Big time. Um here's one name for you. Um he fits the I simply Googled him the other day to assess his situation category, and that's uh Isa Laiduni. He's just one of those players who sort of catches the eye, so I then have to go and find out how old he is, and then turn out to be quite disappointing because he is actually 25 already, and he plays his club football in Ferenc Varos in Hungary. So I'm just thinking, well, that's it. That's it. He's not a Premier League midfielder now. We can't have him. He's not good enough. But he's shining at the World Cup, so there you go. Tunisia's finest. I mean, one of the Saudi heroes... Aldasori. Yeah, Aldasori's probably the one, isn't he? Yeah. So it's like, you know... I, but I think, I think the shine's been taken off the fact that they lost those two games afterwards, it means that the it was all for nothing. I don't know. I think that enshrines it all the more. It was this sort of weird outlier. I mean, they won't. St- he won't stand the test of time. But in this sort of very yeah, it feels like self- a million years ago already. Yeah, in this self-contained. Uh, I think the moment will live on. So far, but maybe. But in terms of the players, I think if they'd got through to the next round, they would have. Re- then you've got real chance of like stamping your mark on the tournament in a different way um, I think Phil Foden might squeeze into this 11 uh, at some point but um, let's keep this 11 pending we might return to it um, more important matters though um, as we record four of the last 16 games um, have been confirmed um, I just want you to tell me which year they belong in please <laughs> Charlie, Charlie let's start with um, the Netherlands versus mm-hmm. the USA I'm going pretty 2006 with this yeah I want to say a little bit I want to say a bit earlier like 2002 but Holland weren't at that World Cup um, so if you're being really literal about it, the, that's when the US were, I think, because the USA got to that year's quarters. I, I would go 2010 for that one, actually. Yeah, sounds about right. Netherlands got to the final. USA, we all, we remember it they, because they played England. And if you told me Netherlands beat USA in the round of 16 in 2010, I'd believe you. I, I completely agree. Bang on. OK, Argentina, Australia. Now, this is a really interesting one. This is a nice, fresh looking one. But at the same time, Dave feels very 1974. Yeah, it's 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 weird, isn't it? It's, it's too group stagey for mm. yeah. round of 16 isn't yeah, it, it is. I think it yeah. is. 
true. It's very group stage. It's very first game of a group and Australia get handed a bit of a lesson, but then regroup and somehow kind of escape, clamber out with four points. Just to undermine the Australian achievement even more, Tom Place writes and says, I'm sorry, but Argentina, Australia is an Emirates slash Craven Cottage friendly, not a World Cup knockout game. <laughs> it's very rugby World Cup knockout game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can have that. France, Poland, Charlie, 1982. Yeah, yeah. Both wearing really nice pinstripe Adidas kits. It has to be the 80s, doesn't it? That's when Poland had their sort of golden age and they were they had that really good team. Yeah, that feels yeah. right. England, Senegal, Dave, I'm not, not really sure where to place this. Never played each other, of course. Yeah. There's, no, there's no real kind of guidance there. I'm going about 2002. Good they, they very nearly did play each other because they ah. played the other sort of winner and runner-up from the same groups, if you see what I mean. Because ah. we played Denmark, didn't we, and uh, Senegal mm. were in their group. Good work, good yeah. knowledge. Okay. Uh. 2002 it is. Okay, um, we'll fill the rest in in a few days' time. Um, next up, Richard writes in, and he was watching Iran versus USA. Danny Murphy had had this to say about a wayward Iranian shot. Is Atalahi bending just too high? Whoa. Decent, very decent. He got some fizz and whip and dip on that. It was a lovely strike from such a distance. Doesn't come down quickly enough. Fizz, whip and dip, Charlie. Richard says this is surely physically impossible. I'm not sure. I mean, if you had to picture a shot that has fizz, whip and dip. OK, let's go through them individually. What is fizz? Fizz, fizz, fizz I think... Yeah, I think fizz has to be hit with a lot of power and be moving in, a, in an awkward way for a goalkeeper. It feels very modern bully. Um, is it he's really, or low? He's really fizzed that. Can a high shot be fizzed? Because if you if you if I fizzed the ball, fizzed the pass into your feet, that's a low that's, pass. That's right? smashed really low. Yeah, yeah, daisy cutter almost. Yeah, uh, but maybe shots are kind of different for this. So, but can a high shot have fizz? I think it can. Okay. I think a shot can have either. Whip and dip, when we have no issue with here, Dave, because you can have you can have a shot with whip and dip. That's a that's a horizontal and vertical affair coming together, isn't it? Yes, and I, I think I think fizz is the outlier here. I think the the shot that he had, if people haven't seen it, it was from <laughs> sort of left hand side of the pitch, and he's hit it with his right foot, curling yep. to try and get it in the opposite top corner. Mm-hmm. It it did have dip and whip. Not enough of either to make it go in, but I didn't. I didn't really see the fizz. I think it's got to be a straight shot, hasn't it? Mm. To be fizzed, mm. I can see what he's getting at because it is one of those shots that moves all over the place, and I think he wants. But it, to convey but it was that. designed to curl, wasn't it? Yeah. That's the problem. So yes. maybe maybe the ultimate shot that has fizz, whip, and dip, Charlie, made me Ronaldo's free kick against Portsmouth back in the day for Ooh. United, because because that was designed to be fizzed. It was designed to be hit straight in a general sense with power, but it also had whip and dip because yeah. it moved from side to side and it sort of dipped at the last minute and went in. So fizz, whip, and dip. It can be done. It's possible. It can be done. I think that's right. That I don't think you could dispute any of those three in that particular free kick next up Werbenuk writes in Dave and says when is it acceptable for a player to have one thing on their mind when they get the ball (laughs) who is the most one thing on his mind when he gets the ball player so let's get the scenario here what's the what's the archetypal situation for he says I think he's he's only got one thing on his mind here George I think who's George I think I think there's a there's, it's a striker and they are about twenty to twenty five yards out. There are options. He could pass it off left or right, but he chooses to get his head down, plough towards goal, 
and try and get a shot off. Has, has it opened up for him? No, not. I don't think it has mm. to. No. So it's not begging for a shot to be struck. No, okay. no, no, because it can be. And I'd be interested to get your guys' read on this, but it can be both a positive and a negative. I think more mm. positive in a. Yes. He's just scored a goal, and so you're praising the fact he's just got one thing in his mind. It can be a little bit. Just needs to get his head up there. As soon as he gets it, he's just got one thing in his mind, and I think maybe you know he'd just be a little better there, or just just he's got the runners either side of him. I've really mm. stepped into huddle there, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it can yeah. be, it can be good and bad. Yeah, I, I think it's sort of two scenarios here. The first of all, like yours, Charlie, where where it's, the shot is at an angle, but it's it's a very presentable chance, and he was so committed to doing it that the option of passing clearly never, it was so visibly never entered his mind, and that. When he misses and the player he should have passed to has sort of has a go at him, he doesn't put his hand up and say sorry. He just says, oh, I had to. Mm. Like, I, was, I was always going to shoot, basically, that kind of gesture. I also sympathise, Dave, with your kind of longer range situation where mm. they're travelling with the ball for so long that the persistence becomes a thing. It's like that, that, there was only one thing on his mind when he got that ball. There was only one thing on his mind. When he got that ball, that's where you implied that they travelled with it and they weren't going to do anything else. Yeah. Image I have in my mind when I think of this is sort of early to mid Harry Kane when he when he had that period when he first broke through and first became a proper striker where he was just score literally every shot he was taking was going in and he would he would be shooting from like twenty five yards and he'd get in the bottom corner. Yeah, maybe sort of a, a, de- a determined Harry Kane style cutting in from wide-ish. And and like having to wait for the opportunity to to manoeuvre around the opposition players, Charlie, to then get a shot away is a very one thing on his mind situation. Because as you travel in with the ball, there are options available to you, mm. but it, you're so clearly waiting for the opportunity for a space to open up once you've got skip past that final defender to finally then rattle the shot away that's a very one thing on his mind situation so maybe Harry Kane is a very good example yeah I mean I think Cristiano Ronaldo mentioned earlier he's because he's someone who just like gets shots off or it's the it's the sort of it's the midfielder like Steven Gerrard who's gone on a run and that and is and is known for his long range shooting at the end I of think dribbles. it's I I think it's the preserve of strikers this really I don't I don't think you would I don't think you would sort of feel the need to say it if it was a midfielder I think you'd use different I sort of agree language. I think forwards only yeah because mm. I think as soon I think as he picks that up he's just got one thing on his mind but I think I don't know there's kind of an implication that, that he's justified to have one thing on his mind yeah. he's mm. the main guy who should be shooting anyway but then I suppose Gerard could yeah if you're Gerard you can you're sort of you can get away with that I think you're, if you're Gerard even though you might be doing the exact same thing on the pitch, I just think the co-commentators would just go naturally go down the scruff of the neck route. Yeah, I. Yep, fine. Okay, interesting. Now this is from Adam ECFC, and this I think this is a whisper it quietly but situation. Charlie, he asks, is this Brazil side just too Premier Leaguey? Even in the modern World Cup, they've retained a certain mystique, but their number nine playing for Spurs is so un-Brazil. I kind of sympathise with this, but we this is. We've made the bed for ourselves. The Premier League has got so big, mm. and so much bigger than the other leagues that we can't have them scattered around La Liga and Serie A anymore. They're ours. They're our Brazilians. I know what he means. They, though their right back was refreshingly, because uh, I think it was also a centre back who was playing there slightly in extremis in a kind of oh shit, we haven't really thought about our defence. You know, in the way that they, you, you know, Junior Baiano and Cesar Sampao yeah. would suddenly pop up and be like, who on earth are they? Yeah. Uh, so I was quite reassured, and I'm sure this is my own ignorance, but I, had, I, I didn't really know even who, because it, it wasn't Danilo, someone else who came in for him in their last game. Broadly though, yeah, I mean, even to the point where they all their subs, or not all of them, 
you know, they might, you know, Rodrigo plays for Real Madrid, but most of them are from Premier League clubs as well. I mean, it's good in a way that there's a semblance of ignorance there because that's mystique. That equals mystique. So you're, you're still in the clear. But Dave, are they just a bit too familiar, this I Brazil think... side? I can't have them winning it. I don't think I want them winning it for that reason alone. Yeah, I, I, so I know what you mean. Yeah, they, they're, they're, there's obviously, you know, we're, we're way past the point where there being any mystique about Brazil and yet we all still try and convince ourselves that there is still a bit of magic um, you know, around, should, around them. You still have a striker but, playing up front who's still in Brazil, even if it's at the tail end of his career and he was in Europe banging him in back in the day. They should, they should have like a, a Fred. Edmundo figure. No, better than Fred. Like a good player who's playing in Brazil. Like, but, and, Edmundo's know, the dream, yeah, because he was really yeah. good and a big character. Or even sort of latter-day Romario, something like that. Bebeto. Yeah, I mean, they, um, Argentina were an interesting counterpoint because I did think they retained a bit of that in the sense they had a few players who I wasn't so familiar with. Mm. And, and the kind of players who you only can really imagine playing for Argentina, you're not really sure even who their clubs are. Argentina are great for this, actually. I think they have mm. taken on that mantle bit in a kindly, sort of more chaotic way because all the talk about Argentina in the lead up to the tournament is their great pl- is is their is Lionel Messi, and then their sort of array of other players who are still fucking brilliant and play for great clubs, and they make you think, well, Argentina, Argentina are stacked this year. They're going to go all the way, and then ultimately, when it actually comes down to it, it comes down to a bloke called Enzo, who you don't know who he plays for, um, to decide things for them, become their key player. Um, Argentina is such a weird squad. Nicolas Otamendi. Otamendi. What are you yeah. doing here? He's still there. It's amazing. Yeah. But, but it's interesting, Adam, that you said that about their squad being stacked because I think there is still a bit of a hangover uh, from the era when they had like Higuain, Tevez and Aguero all playing up front. And we kind of just assume they have these like incredible attacking options. It's not, I don't think it's quite the same now. Right. They don't quite have that. But we're so sort of conditioned to, to think That's that. the World Cup, man. That's where we're allowed to do it. You're allowed to have this kind of uh, lax thoughts. I mean, they've got a guy who plays for Atlanta. Mm, that's mad. Quite quite intrigued by this one from uh, Adam Kenny. He says, I'm watching Australia-Denmark highlights. Australia's kit had three separate colours. Yellow shirt, green shorts, white socks. While Denmark's three bits of kit were all red. Is two distinct main colours across the shirt, shorts and socks the most common chromatic combination? First of all, let me just say that Denmark having uh, red shirts, red shorts and red socks are the reason they're out of this World Cup. Like, go away. You fucked it. Um, <laughs> is that a FIFA thing, though? No, not not anymore. It was it was a it was a FIFA-y kind of thing at 2010, 2014. Um, mm. There was a real directive about having block kits. England had to play in all white, for example. But they seem to have relaxed this out of nowhere because mm. um, there was no obvious logic for the for it in the first place. But Denmark seemed to have stuck with it. Um, well, and, and and Denmark wasn't it wasn't because of their sort of the Hummel thing where they were deliberately downplaying the sort of branding because of the Qatar I don't think white shorts would really have much of an effect there, I'll be honest. No, no, fine, yeah. But so the upshot of all of this, Dave, is what is your favoured combination? How many colours should a team use for their kits and where should they be deployed? I'm a good person to ask this because there is an eternal debate among Watford fans as to what is our optimum colours. There's a big divide between yellow shirts, black shorts... What was the Blissett era? Well, yellow shirts and red shorts. Oh, and but we red have, socks. We have, well, we've had both where it's been black shorts and black socks, red shorts, red socks. But we have had an era where we had yellow shirts, black shorts and red socks. So we have had all three. I, what I really like about this, Charlie, is it's quite like a Sunday, ne- uh, quite a Sunday league conundrum. Like if, we, if you're a Sunday league team getting to choose your new mm. kit. You know, you've got you've got a blank canvas. You can do what you like, and and so many teams seem to get it wrong. I'm, I tell you what, I don't like Charlie 
is where the shirts and shorts are the same colour and the socks are a different colour, especially if it's darker, because I don't want to be severe. Mm. Don't want to be severe, because that's very much their thing. So I'm trying to think what I like. Is it a classic kind of shirts and socks the same colour but maybe, shorts are different maybe it's just the, mm. it's the consistency it's that's all we ask and it, maybe yeah. we find it odd when te- like I do find that strange talking about Watford having the different ones I found it really weird when Southampton dropped the strike it was almost like is that allowed I don't know like yeah I feel like international teams sh- should be encouraged to go with three colours as much as possible especially if they are core of their your flag. identity or your flag yeah. like Belgium Belgium should be wearing red yellow and black in any sort of combination from shirt mm, down. They see fit. I, Brazil, Brazil, yellow, blue, white. I mean, they fucked it this year. Those shades of all of those colours are terrible. I don't know how they keep getting it wrong. It can't be that difficult. Nice blue, sort of a slightly more golden yellow and dark royally kind of green. Just do that. <laughs> you look amazing. Pele 1958. That's what you should be doing. Um, last question from our listeners. Dan Gregory says, why is everyone now saying he gets his goal? It's so- Mitrovic finally got his goal. Lewandowski gets his goal, etc. What does it mean? And why is it everywhere? Will it please go away? And does it only apply to slightly greedy, well-known strikers in the second half of a game? Charlie. I had this written it. down. I meant to raise it. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. I love when this happens. Excellent. Yes, I heard it in relation to someone not getting his goal. After the first England game, the 6-2, when Harry Kane was subbed off, the comment they said well he hasn't got his goal today and I thought what is the threshold for his goal Can't, yeah is it only how have we not done this I know done? oh that's brilliant yeah I mean his yeah the, the, the sort of possessive so what's the primary criteria well it typically I, th- I think in it's most basic and I think this counts for a big proportion is just really good player who's used to scoring and there's a there are a lot of goals and he hasn't got his goal today oh so it's a, it's a bigger picture thing it doesn't matter what happened in the game if you're a, if you're a, if you're a documented goal scorer you already qualify for his goal I think you're you're already far more likely to to have it his goal and I think if there have been a number of goals oh so this is a getting in on the act style situation a little bit and if you've gone close or I don't know you get that sensed or it might be that striker has not scored for a few games but played really well in the game got an assist and like look well he hasn't got his goal today but you can't fault his effort or he's he's offered (laughs) so much for the team I, I think there is. I would imagine. I think there is potentially a bit of an implication that if striker X was not to get his goal, he'd be like annoyed mm. in some way it, because he's so used to doing so it, accustomed it, to scoring. In the same way that mm. you know, like a, a grumpy old dad would be like, "Oh, what's wrong with that? Oh, he, haven't, he hasn't had his dinner yet." <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> his dinner. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, instead of just hasn't saying he hasn't had dinner, coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> had your snickers um but i'm torn here i'm torn between whether it's a player who just always scores and therefore should be expected to or it's a striker of any ilk has struggled to find the net in that game and then eventually does do it um, there's that there's the he gets mm, his goal and the yeah. sort of relieved kind of yeah um so not- so this can't happen in the first half charlie right you happy with that yeah there needs to first be, I think there, yeah there needs to be some build-up mm. The only exception, maybe, is like someone like Lewandowski who hadn't scored a World Cup goal before this tournament. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. 
Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that, that becomes be, a narrative thing. But I think, yeah. Dave, that would be, if he were to score early, that would be he gets his World Cup goal yeah, rather than yeah, just he yeah. gets his goal. But yeah, the, the other scenario sure. I was imagining, do you, do you think it could be situational? So if, like, when Lampard, I don't know if this could be, but like when he went back and played against Chelsea and scored, if someone's like returning to an old club, does that elevate them to potential his goal? I think it's overridden by it just had to be. Yeah, it just has to be him, stuff, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a, I wouldn't say it's a his no. goal situation at all. But I'm oh, I'm I'm glad first that we've never t- touched on this before. I'm glad by your immediate enthusiasm for it, <laughs> and I'm glad the fact that Dan Gregory sent it in, and the fact that it's a very sort of World Cuppy thing as well. So glad to have discussed that. Now, finally, on this episode, can't wait to talk about this. Um, I don't think anybody else knows about this uh, in our sphere at least this comes from listener lee wall now uh it's all about a company called veritone who have partnered with uh, stats perform opta to create a synthetic voice ai commentary for world cup games based on opta data here is the um marketing release for it prominent sport commentator and former pro footballer alan smith has partnered with Veritone Voice to cover the world's most prestigious football tournament. This builds on the recent strategic partnership that combines Veritone's synthetic voice AI technology to provide voice commentary with Opta Stats data, designed to provide real-time play-by-play, pre-game, in-game and post-game updates. Passionate fans can hear real-time game updates from the announcer on their phone or computer in their local language. So, to cut a long promo short, Charlie, this is a kind of an accompanying piece of content. I don't know. I don't know why you'd want it while you're watching football, but it's this kind of marrying up of data and audio have you got your head around it slightly so it's ai commentary it's ai commentary terrible news for the the jonathan pierces and the peter drury's and of this world certainly robots coming for their jobs yeah does sound very ominous and we know how good ai is these days i see the viral videos of robots that go out every two weeks and someone goes oh this is terrifying when they can't even pick up a fucking can (laughs) or something like that (laughs) right um so anyway this is um, this is all about fan engagement and bringing a, a unique voice to a number of concurrent events. Apparently, um, uh, just to give you a more of an idea of how this works, here's the uh, promo clip from Veritone. Power a live action experience for viewing and listening to a match. He sends a pass to the centre in the attacking 18. Batu Binzika clears the ball. Goal! It's a goal. PSG closes the gap with M. Hafer. Offer a low left shot by Messi just barely finds the net. 36 minutes in and the score is 1-1. to This is like early computer game commentary. Yeah, it's amazing. It's that level of just like, yeah, player does this. It's a goal. 36. <laughs> I had Two. high hopes for this. Where's Ryslip? Yeah. I thought technology might have moved on. So um, so what they've done, they've got Alan Smith's voice and it's not that he's just recorded um, sort of stock phrases like he might do for a computer game. He's obviously spoken into a microphone and they've managed to AI mm. his entire voice. Okay. Um, they've, uploaded, they've uploaded every single World Cup game to their YouTube channel with his commentary, his AI commentary attached to it. I'll, I'll be honest with you, they are a struggle. Um, it's a bl- it's essentially a blank background with just his commentary over for two hours using what is a disappointingly narrow set of phrases. Here's a little sample from England versus Wales. This is this is literally the kickoff. Rice has sent the ball out of bounds. And that's <laughs> for a throw. Davies sends a pass to the right wing in the attacking half. <laughs> Stones takes control. <laughs> Out of bounds. Alarm bells ringing now. This doesn't look like the uh, polished product I I wanted it to be. Um, but we need to stress. We need to kind of stress test this, don't we? We need to stress test AI Alan Smith. And what better way to do it than England's double salvo 
against Wales. This is how AI Alan Smith announced them. <laughs> Rashford gets the ball. Oh, oh, oh. He shoots. It's a goal. England has won the first point in the game after a shot by Marcus Rashford. 49 minutes and 49 seconds in and the score is 1-0 with England in the lead. In a strong start for Wales, Ramsey passes. Rodon passes to the centre in his half. Methan receives. To Roberts in the left wing. He gets a long ball into the attacking 18. Ward, the goalie, receives. To Rodon. To Davies in the right wing. England's defence stops him in his tracks. Tackle by Rashford. The ball flies right by Davies. Kane takes control. Kane sends a chipped cross in the centre. Foden receives. Goal! Oh, oh. <laughs> it's a goal! It's not looking good for Wales as England scores for the second time after a shot by Phil Foden. 50 minutes in and the score is 2-0 with England in the lead. Davies miscalculated that play. Oh, wow. That's it. Get him on the world feed. Get him get him doing solo commentary at 1am oh for something. God! Goal! That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Is this a cheap shot from us? I expected AI to do better. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it's a cheap no, shot. If no. they're gonna, if they're gonna put themselves out there, and it, it's got a lot of work to do, clearly. But I'm just trying to get my head around it still. So Alan Smith has not recorded those words because why would he say Marcus Rashford? No, it kind of learns how to speak like him. That's it, how it, AI voice yeah. works, right? And there's no one typing it. It's, it's, it's all it's all generated by algorithms and, and it learns. Yeah, it's fairly simple. The data it, the data's all put together to create a, a situation. So they the, all the event things from Opta are put together. Why does yeah? So I'm just like intrigued, intrigued to find out why it. Why did it think that cross was a chipped cross when it clearly wasn't a chipped cross? Why did it take so long for that pause was incredible for, for Foden to score? Yeah, that was like the famous uh, pause Martin Tyler leaves uh, in the Aguero commentary. Iconic from Alan Smith. I'm going to give them leeway on the chipped cross because it's basically a cross that went off the floor. I yeah. think that's what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's a, yeah. a wide range of vocabulary they use for this. But um, much future for this, do you think, Dave? I mean, it's it's clearly early steps. This we are at the kind of supposedly terrifying video of robot picking up a can of beans stage of AI football commentary, aren't we? We are. I think the Drurys, the Mowbrays of this world, are safe for now. But come come 2026, who knows? Very, very worrying scenes indeed. Um, hope to have an AI version of one of you on the podcast at one point. Cheers to you, <laughs> Dave Walker. <laughs> Thanks. Probably do a better job than you, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, mate. Cheers. And we'll see everybody on Tuesday. Cheerio. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.